For over 45 years, Pensacola Christian College has set aside some time each spring semester for Bible conference. These days of concentrated study and preaching from the Word of God are a time of spiritual enrichment for our students, faculty and staff, and many others who join us for these services. We're pleased to welcome you to the PCC Bible Conference. Open the Bible, find Him there. Open the Bible, don't despair. Open the Bible, see His face. Open the Bible, trust His grace. Open the Bible, look clearly above. Open the Bible and share God's love. Well, some wonderful things have already been said from this pulpit this week, but I just wanted to add, if I could, without trying to uh, prolong anything, but I, I just want to say a word about the conference. This conference is a momentous occasion celebrating 50 years, 50 years of teaching the Word of God, plus academic subjects to qualify students for ministries as well as secular professions to which God assigns each one of them. 50 years of developing minds to think of God as they think of eternity. 50 years of building character into the lives of those who will teach others the basic principles of the Christian faith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been my privilege to preach at PCC in the Bible conferences as well as special occasions for over 40 years of the 50 years uh, of the history of this great institution. My, how God has blessed over this half century. My heartfelt appreciation goes out to the founders, Dr. Arlen Horton and his deceased wife, Becca, who is with the Lord. They birthed what, in my opinion, is the finest institution in America dedicated to Christian education. I know many of the administrators uh, and have known a long time. I appreciate Brother Dale Atkins. He's been a personal friend and a co-worker in the gospel for many years. I commend uh, Dr. and Mrs. Troy Shoemaker for maintaining the philosophy of the founders. The Shoemakers have invested their lives in students from many parts of the world making certain that the leaders of tomorrow are academically prepared for the task that God assigns them. Bring back the Bible, O ye sons of men. Bring back the Bible and begin again. Bring back the Bible, shout it far and wide. Bring back the Bible and wait for the tide. Bring back the Bible, let it be heard. Bring back the Bible, God's holy word. Holy Bible, book divine, precious treasure, thou art mine. I love the Bible, I really do. I love the Bible, how about you? I love the Bible, I read it each day. I love the Bible, it guides my way.
I love the Bible hidden in my heart. I love the Bible and we shall never part. Thank God for the Bible. It tells me who I am. Thank God for the Bible. It tells me where I'm bound. Thank God for the Bible. It makes the way so plain. Thank God for the Bible. It exalts the Savior's name. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is not dessert for the weekend. It is bread for daily consumption. I admonish you to read it, heed it, hide it, and hold it forth. I admonish you to eat it, digest it, assimilate it into your spiritual being that you may grow thereby. Read it through, take it in, write it down, work it out, and pass it on. I would say without any apology, without any hesitation or reservation concerning the Bible, it is not in the experimental stage. It has been tried and proven. It is not the book of the week or the book of the month or the book of the year or the book of the decade or the book of the century or the book of the millennium. It is the book of the ages. Oldest time, newest tomorrow. Born in eternity, cradled in time and will live forever. When the mountains have melted and the oceans have evaporated, the Bible will still be the living word of the living God. When the sun is turned into darkness and the moon into blood, the Bible will still be the living word of the living God. When the stars have fallen from the skies and the earth has melted with fervent heat, the Bible will still be the living word of the living God. When the last chapter in the book of time has closed on earth and the first chapter of the book of eternity is opened in heaven, the Bible will still be the living word of the living God. When these frail, fragile, finite beings have gone back to Mother Earth from whence we came, and these never-dying souls have made their celestial flight back to God who gave them, the Bible will still be the living word of the living God. When the purpling dawn burst into the glorious light, of God's eternal day, the Bible will still be the living word of the living God. The Bible stands like a rock undaunted mid the raging storms of time. Its pages burn with the truth eternal and they glow with the light sublime. The Bible stands every test we give it for its author is divine. By grace alone, I expect to live it and prove it and make it mine. The Bible stands though the hills may tumble, it will firmly stand. When the earth shall crumble, I'll plant my feet on its firm foundation, for the Bible stands. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name, 
I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The entrance of thy word giveth a light. It giveth understanding to the simple. How sweet are the words, thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Every word of God is pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The scripture cannot be broken. Heaven and earth shall pass, shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts, Ladies and gentlemen, as sure as night follows day and day follows night, God still lives and the Bible is right. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. All flesh is as grass. All the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower faileth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. For the word of God is quick, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner. Of the, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. The law of thy mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Now, I didn't know whether I put this next verse in or not, but it's in the Bible, and God wrote the Bible, so I'm coming out with it. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Some of you feel that way. By the time you get out of here, you know it's not true. In fact, it won't take you that long. Now, I want to invite you to open your Bible. 
literally now, to open your Bible. Oh, by the way, did I tell you when we open the Bible, the Bible opens the mind of God? Let's see what God's thinking about in Psalm 68, verse number 11. I shall read that verse after we pray. Our Father, we are grateful for thy precious, powerful, perfect, pure word. We pray we would hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against thee. We pray it would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We pray, O oh God, that it would be like honey to our mouths, our lips, the taste of it, that we might eat it and digest it and assimilate it into our spiritual being. May it be so in Jesus' name. And with thanksgiving, we pray. Amen. Psalm 68 and verse number 11. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those who published it. I would recommend that you underscore the first five words in that verse. The Lord gave the word. You see, God is a God of giving. For God so loved the world, the world, the whole inhabited earth, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave not only his son, but he gave his word. And what a majestic, matchless, marvelous, magnificent, meaningful word that is. No price, no purse, no premium can be placed on it. And I hope that you'll get a new look at it as we explore the uniqueness of the Word of God. Observe with me, first of all, the Word of God is unique in its composition. Now we need to get fixed in our mind something that I hope that you'll write down. Number one, write this on the walls of your mind. Engrave this on the lobes of your heart. Deposit this in the vault of your soul. God wrote one book, the Bible. One book and only one and never a need for another. One book and only one inspired from cover to cover. One book and only one written by the God of creation. One book and only one salvation's message for every nation. History tells us that Sir Walter Scott, on his deathbed, said to Lockhart, read to me. From which book shall I read, asked Lockhart. Sir Walter asked, why did you ask that question? There is but one book, read from the Bible. When I was an 18-year-old student in the Bible Baptist Seminary in Fort Worth, that's been almost 75 years ago, I heard J. Frank Norris say, as he held the Bible up, I have here a book, God's book, the only book. Stand on it, young men, and challenge the world. I am now 91 years old. Now, I know I don't look it, but if you got it, flaunt it. 
I'm 91 years old, and for 73 of those 91 years, I've been standing on the book, preaching the gospel of blood redemption. Now, I wish that we could use our imagination for just a moment or two. If you've got anything left in your mind yet, use your imagination as you go with me down this row. Let's call this a courtroom. The judge is on his bench. The jury is in the box. Thousands of spectators are witnessing what's happening here. I want to call the Apostle Paul to the witness stand. I'm the defense lawyer, by the way. Having written 14 books of the New Testament, I think Paul qualifies as a star witness for me today. What say you, Paul, about the composition of Scripture? Well, I'm sure that your scholars down there know already that I wrote two letters to a young man named Timothy. And in the second of those two letters, I wrote these words, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Let your mind settle in on that word inspiration. It literally means God breathed, which means that the scripture came to us by the breath of Almighty God. And by the way, God does not have halitosis. Every word in the Bible is pure, perfect, powerful, priceless, precious, and perfumed with the sweet aroma of heaven. May I witness, sir, to my experience in writing two letters to a church. You call it First and Second Thessalonians. In the first book of those two, look, two letters or two books, I wrote these words. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, that when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Thank you, Brother Paul, for your enlightened testimony. And now, Brother Paul, you may step down. Ladies and gentlemen, I hasten to tell you that the Bible is available, it's accurate, it's authoritative, and it's absolute. When all other books become obsolete, the Bible will remain absolute. Let it be known, ladies and gentlemen, all persons here and to all men everywhere, the, only, the Bible is the only book on planet Earth that God has unhesitatingly, unreservedly, unconditionally, unequivocally committed himself to honor, to uphold, to defend, and preserve. Just the Bible. Someone wrote behind the Bible, is God. 
Above the Bible is God. Beneath the Bible is God. Inside the Bible is God. On either side of the Bible is God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's plain to see you cannot read the Bible and escape God. He's there. He's always been there. He will always be there. This is his word. And that brings me to my second thought. Please observe with me the uniqueness of the Bible in its performance. Some books inform, some books reform. Only the Bible can transform. The Bible regenerates, 1 Peter 1.23, being born again of corruptible seed, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The Bible quickens, Psalm 119 in verse 50. This is the comfort of my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. The Bible eliminates Psalm 119 in verse 130. The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. The Bible converts Psalm 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The Bible enlightens Psalm 19 in verse 8. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The Bible cleanses. I'm going to quote Jesus now. I love to quote Jesus. He's the greatest authority the world has ever known. When I quote Jesus, I never have to worry about being misquoted. In John chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus said, and I quote him, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. I quote, quote Jesus again, the Bible sanctifies. It is high priestly, mediatorial, intercessory prayer. Recorded in John 17, he prayed in the 17th verse, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. By the way, isn't it interesting to know that we are on Jesus' prayer list. I pray for them. I pray not only for these, but for those that will be won by them. So he's praying for you today, right now. Jesus is praying, interceding to the Father on your behalf and mine. So he said in the 17th verse of John 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word, is truth. I should tell you that a Bible in the hand is worth a dozen in the trunk. That brings me to my third thought. Observe with me in the third place that the Word of God is unique in its indestructibility. I'm going to quote Jesus. Is there any? There's no limit on quoting Jesus around, is there? I'm going to quote him again. Mark 13 and verse 31. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The psalmist said in 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. 
Aren't you glad it's settled right here on earth in this wonderful book that we call the Bible? Inspired, infallible, inerrant, impeccable, indestructible, final and pure and precious and priceless and given to us as we've already read, the Lord gave the word. He also said, the psalmist in the 12th chapter at verse six, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver, tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. I'm going to quote Jesus again, 1035 of John. The scripture cannot be broken. I make bold to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the word of God cannot be duplicated, replicated, eradicated, exterminated, or invalidated. Sir Walter Scott wrote, within this sample volume lies the mystery of mysteries. Happest they of human race to whom their God hath given grace to read, to fear, to hope, to pray, to lift the latch, to force the way. But better had they ne'er been born than read to doubt or read to scorn. My friends, no book in the history of the world has been attacked so viciously as the Word of God. Down through the ages, men have defied it denied it, decried it, dismissed it, disgraced it, disowned it, discounted it, and disallowed it, but they've never been able to destroy it. They have burned it, botched it, belittled it, banished it, blasphemed it, butchered it, banned it, and buried it, but never destroyed it. Bloody Mary in her reign of terror got all the Bibles in her domain and had them burned. Would somebody send a text message to Mary for me and tell her that that little fellow up there preaching has a Bible in his hand, has one in his pocket, and has, listen, 101 Bibles in his home. Literally, a hundred. Some people have 101 Dalmatians. I have 101 Bibles. I love the Bible, I really do. I'm glad today that we can say that we still, who's, who's gonna send that text message for me to Mary? Just address it, hell, she'll get it. Voltaire, the 18th year agnostic, unbeliever, said, in 100 years from now, there'll be no Bibles. I have gone through the forest and cut down the trees. Well, all of his works were gathered for sale. And they got them all in one place and put them up for sale. And guess what they got for them? 65 cents for all of his works, while on the same day, on the same day, one manuscript of the Bible sold for $500,000. What a book is our 
book of the Bible. 1939, a time capsule was buried. And among other things, a Bible was put in it. When asked why the Bible, the vice president of the Westinghouse Corporation said, the Bible is the book that's most likely to survive the ages. When they dig it up a hundred years from now, they will find a definite link in the Bible between the past and the future. Now let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. When I left home in Danville, Virginia, where my dad was pastoring, he placed in my hand this Bible I've got a lot of other things in my pocket too, and that's none of your business. <laughs> but he placed in my hand this Bible that you're looking at and asked me to promise him that I would read from the Word of God every day. And ladies and gentlemen, for more than seven decades, this book has been my constant companion. We've traveled together my Bible and I, in all kinds of weather, with smile or with sigh, in sunshine or shadow, in tempest or calm, thy friendship unchanging, my lamp and my psalm. We've traveled together, my Bible and I, when life had grown weary and even death was nigh. But all through the midst of darkness or wrong, I found thee a solace, a prayer, or a song. So now who shall part us, my Bible and I? Shall isms or schisms or new lights who try? Shall shatter for substance or stone for good bread supplant thy sound wisdom, give folly instead? I know, my dear Bible, exponent of light, thou sword of the spirit put error to flight and still through life's journey until my last sigh, we'll travel together, my Bible and I. You've been listening to a Bible conference message from Pensacola Christian College. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.